again, and welcome to Gab and Grow, our little podcast about people, places, resources, and ideas that will help you to be a successful student at WCSU. My name is Mary Beth Griffin, and I'm the host of this gem. I really think you're going to enjoy today's podcast, and I hope that if you're listening in right now, you'll share this with a friend when you finish, because our subject matter, I think, is really important for everyone. Not just your fellow students, but your parents, your siblings, your friends, your grocery store clerks, your valet parking attendant, your kindergarten teacher. It's about resilience. Now, don't worry if you don't know yet what it means, because that's why we're here. And our guest today, I'm really excited because it's somebody I've known all of her life. Please join me in welcoming to the show Dr. Jenny Griffin, my sister, who's the Dean of Apex at the College of Worcester in Worcester, Ohio. Welcome, Jenny. Well, hello there. Okay, so I want you to under uh, you know to tell people what Apex stands for. So, you know, most people don't have a dean of Apex on their on their That's campuses. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Most people do not have a dean of Apex. So, my um, my job as the dean of Apex is to run a center that has seven offices, um, and really the the work of our office is to do advising, planning, and experiential learning. That's where Apex comes from. Cool. So, like I said, we're here today to talk about resilience, so I'm going to start with something that's a simple question, but probably a complicated answer. What's resilience? So it is a simple question, and it is a complicated <laughs> answer, um, but, but I'll try and make it um, fairly simple. Um, uh, most people think about resilience um, as the ability to adapt to changing circumstances that are are less than ideal, um, potentially adverse. So if you think about it, it's, it's really what's your ability to bounce back after you've had an experience that's probably not so positive. Okay. Okay. So you and I talked a little bit, um, you know, sharing notes and things about this when we were getting ready for it. And one of the things that um, you talked about was resilience being working toward thriving and away from a deficit model of mental health. So what does that mean for real people like me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the lingo now on campus is, um, the, the hot lingo, is to, to really think about what is it that we need to do as human beings to be our best selves. And so um, a, a large part of that is really thinking about What's in our best interest? Um, how can we have a sense of well-being? And thriving is just one way of saying, you know, how do we how do we make sure that we're doing the best that we can do, or maximize our sort of daily circumstances? Okay, um, you know, like you said, this is kind of a hot topic on campuses now. Why do you think that is? So I, I think there are, are probably um, several reasons. Um, you know, we, I know you and I have been in this business for way longer than I choose to admit, you know, 30 yes, years or so. <laughs> Hard to imagine that I it's know. been about 30 years, but there it is. That's, that's our lives. Um, and I think, you know, what we're, what we're seeing here is we're really seeing um, – some changes to to the way students come to to college. So, you know, one of the things I think about in terms of um, the students that we're dealing with now, first and foremost, is they've they've always known education to be um, stressful and success oriented. And and here's what I mean by that: um, 
students who are in college now have never known education without high-stakes testing, for mm. instance. Yeah. Um, you know, I know your daughter and my daughter and my son um, really really sort of got geared up for those those lovely proficiency tests yeah. or state tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of a lot of emphasis was put on uh, being successful about that, and that created some stress. Right. Uh, add to that that these these students that we deal with now have had most of their lives scheduled with activities. Mm-hmm. So every night of the week, doing something extracurricularly, and and so they're they're set up to to have come to college with. Um, very strict schedules that somebody has always monitored for them, keeping them on track, parents who wake them up in the morning, parents who remind them of their their homework, um, parents who remind them to practice, parents who cart them to and from uh, school, and, and to a large extent, parents who um, get involved in solving problems, not with their children, but frequently for their children. So, so, so I must have been it, a failure as a parent. I, what, what's that? I said I must have been a failure as a parent because I did none of that for my daughter. Well, let's be clear. Your your <laughs> child and my children wouldn't allow us to be that involved. <laughs> Which, you know, is probably to, to their benefit, actually. Yeah. Um, because I think what we did was we enabled them to... Um, come to us when they had a problem that they needed advice for, but we mm-hmm. didn't step in and solve the problem for them. Yeah. Um, but but having having said that, I think what happens is students get to college then, and they've they've had no real opportunity to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had no opportunity to to have adverse events happen outside of their typical family support structure. Um, or sometimes, you know, the, the opposite can be true. They've actually come with far too much um, stress and failure yeah. and lack of support. And so they don't necessarily see themselves as being successfully resilient. And so you've got, you know, you've got a mixture of those factors, and then we put them in a wildly different environment, and we say, okay, it's time to sink or swim. Yeah. And you get to figure it out. And so I think what's happening on campuses um, pretty much nationally now is that we've recognized, aha, we've got to do something to help students find these skills, practice these skills, and actually view this as a skill set rather than um, an inborn trait. I'm either resilient or I'm not. Um, we've got to tell them and show them that this is something that they can grow through practice. See, and that's something that I'm struggling with because for me, resilience seems like it's a really natural kind of skill. You know, life has bad things that happen in it, and you get through it. So, <laughs> you know. So, Better or worse, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, and and maybe that's, maybe I have the benefit, I guess, of having had some significant issues that happened in our family and things over the years that, you know, we had a father who was sick. So, you know, does maybe that equipped me better to for some of this? I don't know, but it just it seems. I mean, you explained it fairly well of of why it seems like it might be impacting students more now than maybe it did when we were in school. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So so thinking about it, you know, as a 
as a skill set that can be practiced. I mean, I think you framed it pretty well in terms of why you view it as something that's that's so natural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because in honesty, you and I grew up having to be resilient all of our childhood life. Yeah. And then we've had events outside of childhood and well into adulthood where we've had to practice our resilience. Yeah. Um, because, you know, as I say to my students frequently, you know, sometimes life really does just suck. Yeah. And, <laughs> and in yeah. fact, you know, then you've got to think about, well, how can I survive the suck and get back to better? Um, you know, I tend to think of, of my life as a big sine wave. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, she's <laughs> throwing people, math in now. <laughs> I know, right? Most most people don't see their lives as cyclical and sine wavy, yeah. right? Yeah. So sinusoidal. But but I, in fact, do. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, I've had, I've had just absolutely amazing things happen in my life. Yeah. And I have deep gratitude for all of the amazing things that, that I've been able to do. Um, I've also had very stressful, very sad, um, awful times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sorry for some of those. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that, but that's life. And, yeah. and so if you view it as it's cyclical. So that's, I mean, yeah. and that's maybe step one, right? I view it as cyclical. And I see mm-hmm. that where there's, a, where there's a valley, there is a peak that will come back. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of, you know, the first thing, in, in, as I think about um, being resilient, the first thing I know with, without a doubt is that when there is a valley, when I am in troubled times, there will, in fact, come another peak. Yeah. And, and for some people, they, they have difficulty seeing that a peak will come again. You know, so the first thing is maybe to, to start educating them about their own their own automatic thinking, you know, yeah. so, so my automatic thought is, yeah, today really was a bad day, <laughs> yeah. but I will wake up tomorrow and I will have an opportunity to make tomorrow better. Yeah. There are lots of people in the world that don't operate from that place mm-hmm. automatically. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to teach them some, some reframing and some, some ways to think differently and go outside their habits of thought. So part of resilience practice really is is getting people to identify what their automatic thoughts are and then get them to reframe those thoughts in a way that they can begin to see, oh, well, maybe things do get better. And if I look at the balance of my life, have I had more happy times? Have um, Have I had some of those peak experiences as well as some of those those valleys? Yeah, so, so that's that's go ahead. Well, I was just saying, you know, there are a couple things that that really came to mind as you were talking about that and and one of the things about the peaks and valley things that mm-hmm. you know, I I always tend to think in metaphor. And so, yeah. you know, Jeez, I'm thinking, an English major yeah. thinking in metaphor. I know, frightening, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but one of the things I was thinking of is that you know, the art of resiliency is I think sometimes when you're struggling with resiliency, you tend to to look at those peaks and valleys as a roller coaster. And so it's like it's going to be automatic. You go downhill and then you'll come up again. And it's really more like you're hiking that, you know, you may be down in that valley, but there's probably some work associated with getting out of it, you know. Yeah. So, so you, what a great metaphor that is, actually. Thank you. And I just <laughs> thought of that as we were talking. 
working. <laughs> it's not even on my notes, but you, know, you are a genius. Man. Absolutely. Uh-huh, the the uh-huh. other thing is you talked about that the art of practicing resiliency. And, you know, it's it's like if you're doing a marathon or you're prepping for an exam or something, you've you've got to actually work at it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some things that people can do? You know, you talked about that whole idea of reframing things. Right. So so that's one of the things. You know, one of the first steps in, in helping folks think about their own resiliency is actually helping them to become aware of times when they've shown resilience. So, you know, just sort of taking them through some, some thought exercises or or actually taking them um, through an exercise where they ask those who are closest to them if they can if they can point out examples of of when that person may have bounced back from something adverse, right? Yeah. So if if I can't see my own resiliency, one of the things I might do is I might call you and say, "Hey, Mary Beth, do you remember a time when I was struggling and I overcame that struggle? Mm-hmm. And can you describe it to me? Because I'm really I'm really not." seeing myself as resilient. Mm. And so, so that's one exercise, right? If you can't yeah. think of your own, then we, we could ask you to ask someone who's very close to you. Right. Um, typically, the folks around us aren't as um, harsh critics of us as we are of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so having the reminder from somebody else. So that's, an, that's a fairly easy exercise and an easy assignment for students to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that if somebody notices people kind of falling into that well of despair, that, yeah. that they could also just do. You know, because one of the things I like to, to talk about on our podcast is just ways that, you know, if you notice something going on with your friend, that you can step in and, and say something. And that's a perfect example of, you know, if you notice your friend is saying, oh, you know, I, I just, I suck at this class. I'm always doing poorly. I'm never going to, you know, graduate or something. Then you as their friend can say, yeah, but look at this time. Remember, you know, two years ago when you were taking that chemistry class and you really thought you were going to fail, but you really buckled down and and did the work and went to see the professor and you ended up getting, you know, a B plus in the class. Those kinds of things are things that people could do for their friends without it being part of a resiliency exercise kind oh, of thing, absolutely. too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely, right? So it's it's not necessary for for probably everybody to have, like, a resiliency class. But, right. <laughs> but, but, but <laughs> not we a can, bad idea. There are but... <laughs> ways we can, we can help each other, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's one. And, and you bring up a really fundamental um, thing about resilience, and that is folks who tend to be resilient people – also tend to have strong social support networks. Mm. So this is, you know, this is something that we are concerned about on college campuses. Yeah. Um, we all know students who, who come to campus who may be quite introverted, who might even be shy, and mm-hmm. those are two different things, as yep. you and I well know, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and maybe both exhibit at yes. times in our lives. Um, but I think, the, you know, the thing is, is that, there are there are things that we can do again to make students one aware of what their social support network is. So, what is your support network right at this very moment? 
Um, there are actually, I've seen some tools that are really cool. It's just sort of a, a simple checklist. One is, you know, on one side you list the people that you think are in your social support network, and then there are sort of check marks of the roles that they might play. So is this mm-hmm. person a cheerleader? Is this person someone who offers advice? Is this person someone um, who uh, can help you meet other people, right? So there are yeah. various roles in that social support network. But by making students aware, number one, that social support is important, yeah. number two, um, by making them think about who are the people that they can go to, and then number three, maybe making them aware that, that they might need to reach out to others. Yeah. Um, uh, and typically, that particular exercise is done with a group of folks. Mm-hmm. And that group, you know, if you if you meet over and over, that group becomes fairly coherent. Yeah. And some of those folks take on social support for the others. Uh, so you can you can get some really long lasting bonds. You know, I did this kind of activity with my positive psych class mm-hmm. that I taught three years ago, and uh, one of the things that I, I noticed to this day is that the group of students that was in that that class are. Um, much more likely on Facebook to support each other through the work that they do. Yeah. So I don't know what they're doing privately, but certainly in in their Facebook posts, one, they're friends on Facebook. Yeah. Um, two, they they offer encouraging words for both good things that are happening to each other mm-hmm. and for the trials that each is going yeah. through. Um, and then they also post words of encouragement just generally, right? So See, and they've... They learned the importance of social support. Right. Well, and that's an interesting thing, too. And I wonder if you have some thoughts about social support via social networking. Because, you know, there there are a couple different schools of thought out there. And you point out a really good example of social support coming through some of that. But there's a lot of research that's starting to show up about the isolation of of social networks with especially students that we have in in school right now and the the idea that you know they're they look at social media as a comparison shopping of their lives and often (laughs) you know it makes them feel much worse because they're not off on a European vacation or they you know didn't have (laughs) class with Richard Gere or something you know So, so this is, you know, you're, you're raising an area that is very, very hotly researched right now, um, and it's, it's really important for, for us to talk to, to folks, you know, talk to our friends. To, I talk to my daughter about this. I yeah. talk to my students about this, that, that folks are presenting, for the most part, their best selves mm-hmm. on social media. And um, if you want evidence of that, just look at what's happening on Facebook right now. This, mm-hmm. In the last two days, the year in review yeah. uh, movie that's showing, you know, yep. and, and I've resisted the temptation of looking <laughs> at my year in review, <laughs> right? Um, part of it is because I'm going to see a bunch of sunrise and sunset pictures yep. and, you know, pictures of pine cones and, <laughs> and other weird things that I, um, that I take photos of. Yep. Um, but but what that Facebook thing is doing is it's it's choosing you know all of these amazing wonderful things that people have posted, uh, and it's leaving out sort of 
everybody's daily hassles with life, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and one of the things we have to really think about in terms of our resilience is we have everyday hassles that we have to sort of work with. Yeah. And, and we, we manage that. We overcome that. We have developed strategies over, over time to deal with those daily hassles. We tend not to, to post about those daily right. hassles, though. We tend to post about, wow, I'm so grateful that this, the sun is shining today. Yeah. Right? <laughs> or I got to go to New York City to see Bruce Springsteen last week. Yeah. And so I post my pictures of Bruce Springsteen and I say, look at how amazing my life is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and I've, I've had opportunities to post amazing things about my life. So, so if we get caught in that constant social comparison that, yeah. that social media um, brings to us, that can have a very depressing effect on us. Yeah. And so one of the things that, you know, again, we, we need to make sure that we're, we're, one, talking about with students, and two, modeling for students mm-hmm. is um, how to have face-to-face healthy social interaction. Yeah. And yeah. how to have real social interaction mm-hmm. where we describe to people, well, you know, my day was filled with this kind of stuff and it was a not very um, calm sort of day for me. So tonight what I'm going to do to calm myself down is I'm going to go home and play some really bad cello, (laughs) which is what I do, right? I go home and I play some really bad cello that (laughs) no one else in the world would want to listen to. But for me, it focuses my mind and it calms my breathing and it restores my sense of of calm. And that's a practice that I very intentionally developed because – I was at a, a point in my life where I needed um, to to feel some um, what's the word discipline yes. and 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 focus my mind in a way that didn't focus on the things that were causing me stress. Mm-hmm. So so I'm very serious when I say, and I've talked to my colleagues here about this. Um, we need to find ways to educate ourselves and and to find practices of resilience for ourselves. Yeah. And then we need to talk about those practices with our students, and we need to show them. Um, so one of the things I used to do when I was teaching, when I gave an exam in my neuropsych class that was just filled with a lot of biology that psych students get anxiety about, yeah. is I would hand out an exam and I wouldn't let them begin it until the entire class had taken at least three deep breaths together mm. so that we could take the edge off of our anxiety. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had students over time, you know, the first time I did it, they'd laugh. Yeah. The third time I did it with them, they'd, they'd come down and they'd say, thank you, I needed that breathing to remind me that I was anxious. Mm-hmm. So if we model some of the techniques that work for us and we share the things that work for us, um, even in, you know, just off-the-cuff kinds of conversations with students, they'll learn two things. One, we understand anxiety. We understand feeling less than resilient. We've been there. We still go there. Yeah. (laughs) But how do we manage it? And then, two, they, they see us modeling it, right? So... So these are very, very effective and not necessarily um, always explicit, but, but students see it 
and and when we model it, they can then start to practice it themselves. Right. You know, I want to get a couple things in because we're getting tight on time. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure I've gone over. Imagine what, the two what, of us I talking know. for a long time. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that you and I mentioned, and I wanted you to think about and maybe touch base on is is students who kind of get caught in that trap of feeling badly about themselves. So, yeah. you know, they're swamped, they're overwhelmed, they can't think of a solution, you know, and they ju- it feels as somebody looking outside and wanting to help them, you know, you're offering suggestions and you're modeling those kinds of things. And sometimes it feels like they just want to stay there. You know, like it's good to wallow in that, that mud kind of thing. So, you know, um, and, and I don't know that it's not that they have no interest in it, but you know, there's, there is some good feeling about feeling badly and having someone empathize with you and feel badly with you. And, you know, so, but as somebody who wants to help somebody get out of that, it can get really frustrating too. You know, do you have thoughts about that kind of thing? You know, particularly looking not at at a person who is in that depths of things, but as somebody who wants to work with them and help them get out. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've, again, over, over this nearly 30 years in this business, I've worked with a lot of students who sort of get stuck. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, it's a, it's a key sign of, of depression, a key symptom of depression is Mm -hmm. what we call that, that, um, cycle of despair. Yeah. And so you sort of get, you get stuck in, in, thinking about um, all of the horrible things that did happen and might happen in the future. (laughs) And so, you know, in in conversations with students, you know, one of the things that I would share with them is that, sure, I've had times in my life that have really been pretty sucky. Um, And over time, um, one of the things that I developed was – setting a time limit on my wallowing in the suck, as mm. I <laughs> refer <laughs> yeah. to it, you know. And so so I do discuss with students, you know, wallowing in a feeling for a while is a positive thing, yeah. right? So so if I'm feeling sad, I'm, I set a timer, literally, yeah. and I wallow in sadness for an hour. Yeah. Because sadness is the world telling me something is impinging on, on my well-being. Yeah. So I sort of let myself process that, and I, I provide a strategy for students to wallow, right? I give mm-hmm. them permission. Wallow for an hour. But if you find yourself wanting to go over that hour, you've got to get up and do something different. Yeah. So if you're wallowing in sadness for an hour, then after the hour ends, maybe put in the funniest comedian you know. For me, you know, I throw in uh, Monty Python, The Meaning of Life, Mm -hmm. or Monty Python, The Life of Brian, and I giggle through it, and I laugh through it. It's impossible to feel bad while laughing. Um, Another another strategy uh, that I... Put on cat on Roomba videos or something. There you go, right? Whatever works for you. Yeah, sure. Um, Read the Thoughts of a Dog Twitter account, you know? I mean, there there are lots of things that can make us feel better. Dear God, read Lin-Manuel... uh, what's his, what's his, yeah, thank you. I can never remember his last name. Um, but read his good night, good mornings. I mean, those yeah. are um, amazing affirmations, right? So do something that makes you feel better. You know, the other thing is, is this really does break the cycle of despair, is if someone gives you item after item of 
bad things that are happening, look them in the eye, and I've done this with my own daughter Mm -hmm. and with um, many, many students, but look them in the eye and say, okay, you've now talked about all of the things that you think are going wrong. Now I want you to give me two examples of something that's gone right. Yeah. Right? And um, we have lots of evidence out there that when we start paying attention to little things to be grateful for, Mm -hmm. it it sort of breaks us from that brain cycle, that that habit, that neural network we've developed to think of only despairing thoughts. Yeah. So one of the best exercises around is to um, write three things at the end of each day that you were thankful for or that went right. Mm -hmm. And gratitude journals work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've I've done them. I I continue uh the, my sunrises and sunsets on Facebook as as most of my friends know are my um contribution to this is what I'm gra- I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. I have another day. Yep. Um and and so it it really does change people's thinking. Um but you have to I think you have to be with the student or or your friend or whatever person you're talking to and saying, "Yes, we see that things are not as they should be. And, yes, your feelings are appropriate. Mm-hmm. Go there for a while. Yep. Just don't get stuck there. Yeah. And here are some ways to unstick yourself. Let me help you with that. Yeah. Well, I, I know we have to bring this to a close now. So are there <laughs> – yeah, it's my own self-imposed time limit, but there sure, it is. Sure, sure. Um, we don't want to bore people for more than a half an hour. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you have Do you have any kind of like final words of wisdom or last thoughts about resiliency and and practicing it? Yes. So, um, I mean, I think the the first thing I would say is remember that that you have the ability to change the way your brain is wired. So I'm, you know, I'm a cognitive psychologist who loves neuroscience, right? So the first thing we know is that the brain is not um, hard, well, it's not stable in its wiring and that we control through our experiences and our thought patterns the way our brain is wired. Mm -hmm. So if you think of yourself as being able to grow your neural connections in a way that you wish to, so think of this as a growth mindset, right? But mm. in a very neuronal level, we have amazing power to change the way we think about the world. And so if we're conscious of the fact that we control our own responses to the environment mm-hmm. and that we control um, in large part the way our brains are wired, then change is possible. And when we admit that change is possible, then we have to think about, okay, what are the responsible ways that I can change the way my brain is wired? And for me, that, you know, involves um, 10 minutes of meditation before I go to sleep at night to keep me calm. It involves um, me reaching out to my friends and maybe sharing not just the good stuff that's going on in my life, but some of the crappy stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? We all need some support sometimes. Yeah. it's it's me taking care of myself and making sure that I sleep and that I eat well and that I make time to bathe mm-hmm. and that I manage my tasks on my list of things to do, <laughs> right? So it's it it's uh the 
buzzword is self-care, which I don't like, but yeah, I'll use it word, here. But... <laughs> yeah, I hate that, but but it's true. It is yeah. it is sort of what are the things that will make me physically healthy as well as emotionally healthy. Right. And and keeping track of that and finding the time to 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 have fun. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. And a lot of students don't know how to do that and they don't feel yeah. that they've been given permission to do that. Right. So take time to have fun and laugh a little. <laughs> or a lot in my case. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you and me both, so That's right. You know, I really want to thank you. I know I twisted your arm to do it because you're my baby sister. And so, you know, I believe I twisted your arm. Made it easy, but, <laughs> but thanks so much for for being guest on the show today and, and all the insight into resilience. You know, because I think it's important for students to kind of understand what we're talking about when they start feeling this way. And, right. you know, I'm hoping that when they tune into the episode, you know, they're going to find something that speaks to them and that they find useful and helpful. And I think you've given us some really great things to start that thought process. Well, this was really fun, and I hope that your students find it helpful. And, um, yeah, let me know how it goes. (laughs) I I will indeed. All right. (laughs) You know, for you listening in, as always, if there's a question that you have that came up during this that didn't get answered, um, you can always email me at griffinm at wcsu.edu. If there's another topic you want to hear us cover, you can email me about that too. And we've had a lot of good suggestions come in from listeners. So thanks again for listening to Gab and Grow. I hope you're going to tune in again. Bye now.